Welcome tonight to Church Online. God bless you, and thanks so much for joining with us and in our life-shaped prayer and discipleship time. You know, we're gathered here together at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock here in Southeast Texas, and some of you are watching from uh, places you know, all over the world, but also some of you are watching locally and throughout the state and around the nation. We want to encourage you, uh, don't just tune in to our life-shaped discipleship time uh, each week, but also take a few minutes, as we do, before we get to this discipleship moment to pray. Pray, to pray specifically according to 2 Chronicles 7.14 that says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then God says, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins and heal their lands. You know, God means it. If we will, he will. Are you ready for the word tonight? No. About the next uh, 25 minutes or so, we're going to open up the word of God and we're going to put one more block in our discipleship time. One more life block. As many of you know, we have four modules we're covering this year, four discipleship modules. The first one dealt with redemption. You know, basically, you know, um, uh, how did we get saved? What happened? Why did we need to get saved? And how did it happen? And what did we, you know, um, uh, what, what took place that brought us to the plan of God that he not only had redeemed our life, but we had actually uh, applied to him, gotten forgiveness of sins, and, and uh, you know, um, received salvation and eternal life. That was the first module. Module two uh, talked to us about our new creation realities. Now that you are born again, what do you get? What do you get when you get saved? Well, it's all wonderful. We get a lot of good stuff, a lot of wonderful things, you know, and, and we learned that in module two with 12 lessons. We are in lesson number 12, the last lesson of module three. Module three tonight, again, is our new creation responsibilities. You can see the progression. You get saved. Basically, you get born again. Then we see what we got when we got born again, and we've been talking about our responsibility now as Christians, you know, to shoulder some of the load for the kingdom of God, our new creation responsibilities. And so for tonight, uh, tonight our Life Shape Prayer and Discipleship, Module 3, New Creation Responsibilities, Block 12, the last block is on missions. And uh, before you set your mind on what we're talking about, uh, I want you to, to you know, uh, 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 hold on a moment because we'll probably cover a couple of different aspects of what you may have always imagined missions to be. That term is almost a religious term, and it does have a traditional concept, but we're going to broaden that concept a little bit tonight. And uh, it's important to, to keep your mind open because missions, our mission is our responsibility. Okay, It's a new creation responsibility. What is a responsibility? Well, you know, uh, we can break it down, and in many respects, it means the ability to respond. If you have an ability to respond, then it's arguable that you might have a responsibility. For example, if you were a medical doctor and, and, uh, and someone were, were uh, you know, uh, uh, injured in front of you, and if you had the ability to respond, then it might be understood by many that you have a responsibility to do your best because you know what to do, you know how to do it, and therefore you should be doing it. You know, if you uh, find yourself on, on, on a big commercial airliner at some point and, and something happens so that, they, so that the pilots are no longer able to pilot the aircraft and you happen to be a pilot, let me encourage you to raise your hand to take responsibility for the moment because, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, piloting is a skill set. It is, a, it is an acquired skill 
and uh, I, I'd, I'd much rather have you, uh, even if you've already had uh, you know, a drink, I'd much rather have you there than the richest man, the smartest man, or a committee up there trying to fly that plane, all right? So uh, just raise your hand. You may have a responsibility. You may have an ability to respond. You know, my wife today, she asked me to do something for her that was physical. She needed something physical done. Now, uh, you know, was it not her responsibility? No, it was more my responsibility because I have, um, and an, I had a little more of an ability to do what she needed done. She said, well, I need something done. I said, oh, oh yeah? She said, well, it's a little more physical. And then I understood it was probably my responsibility. And, 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 and it's something that, that we should not shrink back from. We should actually embrace the opportunities God gives us to respond with the God-given abilities and talents and gifts that he has given us. And so uh, that's uh, pretty much what we uh, are talking about and uh, when we talk about our new creation responsibilities. We are able, or we should be able, to do some things for God in the earth. And for that, we might be response-able. We might be responsible. You see, when we were born again, um, we all, as babes in Christ, were considered just as that. When you were born again, you were considered by heaven and earth to be a babe in Christ. The church looked at you and realized you were a brand new Christian. Little, if anything, was required of you. In fact, uh, much like a newborn baby, life as a new Christian is really all about you. It is, and it should be. It should be all about you. Although babes are not necessarily considered selfish, they are nonetheless understood to be dependent. And just like a newborn babe, we as new Christians are primarily dependent and often we cannot provide for ourselves, but must be cared for continually. That's understood. That's okay. That's a part of God's design, a part of his process. It is, however, God's design that babies grow through certain stages of development and actually come to the place where they are mature adults. That's God's perfect design. And given time and education, each person is designed by God to take on greater responsibilities as they grow and as maturity demands. And, uh, you know, uh, the individual who is able to but just simply chooses not to do their part or refuses to grow up and, and take on a mature responsibility is, is, is really not fulfilling all that God desires in their life. And uh, such are those born-again believers. Maybe, maybe uh, you've never met one. I know there aren't any here but, and, or any listening to me, but somewhere in some church, in some generation, no doubt there has been a, a, a born-again Christian who, who, who was truly born again and, and, and had a conversion experience and just refused to grow up and take responsibility for their Christian lives or refused to grow up and have any responsibility in church or have any responsibility for the kingdom of God. You know, uh, uh, the... Those are, 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 are perhaps those born-again believers who continually cry and whine about things that really don't matter, imagining that, that life, especially Christian life and church, should really be all about me. You know, I mean, my goodness, I don't like the carpet. You know, and, you know uh, I, I, I don't like the way that song was sung. I mean, it may be a little hot for me, a little cold, a little loud, a little soft. I don't, I don't know what. But sometimes we can imagine that our church experience should be all about us, that it should be, you know, uh, what, what is benefiting me, what's good for me. Well, that's the season of life. But we grow through that season. We are designed by God to grow into maturity and become responsible not only for ourselves, but accepting personal responsibility for ourselves and also encourage others and influence others to take responsibility where the gospel is concerned as well. 
You know, we must grow up in Christ. If I can just put it in plain words, we must grow up in Christ and take responsibility for this kingdom of life that we have been entrusted with. God has given us this kingdom, especially uh, um, responsible to make sure that it continues to the next generation. When we hear the word missions, most of us traditionally think about going to a foreign country somewhere and, and you know, supplying the need of some natives in that country to help them with something that they could not do without you. you know, that's, that's what we think about when we think about missions. Uh, and uh, missions, however, is much broader than just uh, you know, uh, going to a foreign country and you know, uh, uh, feeding or, or, or drilling water wells. Although that's important, it's much broader. Missions includes any effort that we make to fulfill the purpose of the church. Any effort that we make to fulfill God's purpose for the church is our mission. Now, that brings up a good question. Well, what is God's purpose for the church? Well, uh, the purpose of the church, of course, is to accomplish the plan of God. Now, that's kind of broad, uh, but uh, let me narrow it a little bit by telling you and encapsulating it in three easy-to-remember uh, steps uh, what the real mission of the church is. You see, uh, God's plan is our mission, okay? And the purpose of church is to accomplish that plan. Our mission, then, is God's plan. God's plan is our mission. The mission of the church, number one, is to reach, of course, to reach the lost and to reach out. And it's, it, it is... It is God's plan, and therefore it is our mission to reach out from the church, for the church to be outreaching, okay? Uh, you know, uh, I've, I've, I've heard it put as, as, uh, as, as the vision of a church is IOU. Have you ever heard of IOU? Well, I've been thinking about incorporating that so that it could be easily understood here. IOU, inreach, outreach, and upreach, you know, and that's, that's, that's very simple to remember. But the mission of the church, of course, is to reach. First, to reach and to reach out, out of these four walls, outside of just what we do. We cannot relegate church to just being some type of, 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 of social club or a place where we come in here and do what we do and go out there, and what we do in here does not affect what we do out there. You know, uh, we have a mission Okay? And it's more than we're we're more than just a bunch of carnies who 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 bought the carnival, locked the gates, and are riding the rides. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> we are those who come in here like we're coming into a huddle in a football game. We call the plays, we call the plan, we put together the strategy, and then we leave this place with purpose to reach out to the lost. Not only is the goal and the mission of our church to reach out, or the mission of the church in the earth is to reach out for God, but also we reach, and number two, we teach. It's important. A part of God's plan is that we teach. We reach the lost, and we teach those who we reach. We teach them, the Bible says, uh, you know, according to the Word of God, to observe all things that God has commanded us to observe. So we multiply ourselves by teaching others the Word of God. It's plain and simple discipleship. And then the third thing we do, we reach, we teach, and the third mission of the church is to keep, keep people. We reach people, we teach people, and we keep people. Keeping people literally means, you know, uh, uh, I, I get this word. These are, these are things that I have put together, and I get this word from when uh, God spoke the original five commandments to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. You know, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, you know, subdue it, and, uh, and have dominion. Uh, and then he told them, he put them in a garden, 
to keep the garden. The word keep basically means to care about and to care for. We care about and we care for people. It's important that we provide care, that we actually tend is another word that is often used in, in, in Genesis uh, about what God told them to do was to tend, to keep and to tend and to guard the garden. And so that's what we do. We reach, we teach, and we keep people. Basically, as I said, uh, the mission of the church is to really care about and care for individuals and families while they are in this moment, this parenthetical moment of dwelling on planet earth. And our life on planet earth is a parenthetical moment. We are held in a moment, and while we are on earth, God has given the church a responsibility, a mission. We are able to respond. We are called to respond. Make sure that we care about and care for as we reach, teach, and keep people. Caring about those who are living on planet earth uh, during our generation. The church in each generation has the sole responsibility to accomplish God's mission. Not only, uh, as I said, to unreached people in faraway lands, but also to people who are living right next door to the church and even right next door to your house. You know, we have and we have been given as the church the sole responsibility. We are solely responsible for reaching out and accomplishing the mission of God. We are the ones God's depending on to, to reach people, as I said, in faraway lands, but also you know, in the neighborhoods where we live. Uh, basically, this is the mission uh, that God has given to each generation, to every generation until the end of this age. Uh, it is important to realize that for this reason, uh, many churches define their missions programs because the word mission cannot just mean, you know, foreign countries. Many churches like ours, we define our mission programs often by local missions, what we're going to do here in our local community. And you know, we're very heavily vested in our local community. You know, we've planted, you know, a, a, you know, a, a dozen or so churches here in our local community. We're also in the prisons, the jails, you know, we have hospital ministries, you know, we, we also have a food bank ministry. We do, you know, we do, uh, it, it's important that we attend to the local missions. God wants us to reach local as much as reaching you know, uh, others. We have local missions. We have home missions. Our home missions might be more the reach of people in our state or our nation, reaching out to people who are like us, people who are at home with us, which we do. You know, We reach out to communities like ours all over the United States. We make a difference. We have planted counseling clinics and schools, and we've helped with uh, so many other programs. In, in, in fact, our church, or me, me specifically, I pastor other pastors throughout the United States and share with them. We teach in conferences. We encourage them. Why? Because we believe in home missions. We believe in we still believe in reaching America. We still believe in teaching America, and we still believe in caring for and caring about America. You know, we still reach out to people who are leaders in our community, people who are leaders in our state, people who are leaders in our nation, because we care for and we care about, and we know we are responsible for our home, for America, as well as foreign missions. And many people delineate, you know, local missions, home missions, foreign missions, more than just missions. As I said earlier, sometimes when you say missions, you think about, you know, uh, uh, you know some faraway place where people have not yet heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, that's, that's good. That, that is a part of missions. But missions include so much more. Local, 
as I said, home and foreign. In fact, Jesus put it this way uh, in Acts 1.8. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the world, the uttermost parts, to the very ends of the earth. You know, that's how he categorized it as well, that you need to make sure that you are a witness where you are and then in ever-increasing concentric circles, let the ripple effect of your responsibility reach the whole world, reach all of the shores of the generation in which you serve. It's so important. The mission of the church in each generation will continue until the end of this age. This brings us to our key scriptures for tonight, okay? Our key scriptures for tonight are found in Matthew. In Matthew chapter 28, they're familiar, and you can turn there, or you can just look with us on the overhead tonight, or, or uh, look, if you would, there on your screen. And uh, our, our key scriptures, Matthew 28, verse 18, we call this the Great Commission. It simply says this, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. He brought a conclusion to him having been given all authority in heaven and earth. For this reason, this is why we have come this far, he said. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Everything else done in the rest of these scriptures, everything else is connected to the heart of this theme. Going and making disciples, making disciples of all nations is the actual heart of his theme. And he continues to say, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. He said, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. You know, we have long believed that God has a plan. And the fact of the matter is, the plan of God is encapsulated in this great commission. It is a great commission, a great common mission that we have been called to, to reach, teach, and keep people, to care for and care about people in such a way that they know heaven is reaching into their life. Heaven is involved in planet Earth. The disciples uh, of, of the day in which Jesus lived, they embraced this assignment. They heard what Jesus said, and they understood. These are the only marching orders the church has ever had. God has never given us any uh, variant. Our marching orders are to go and make disciples of all nations. That's what the church is called to do. It is our mission, and to accomplish the plan of God, we must take our assignment seriously. Their duty, the duty of the disciples who first heard Jesus say this, is no different than the responsibility which has been laid upon every generation since that time. You see, their mission was to reach and teach and keep their generation with the love of God for the cause of Christ. Well, Ours is no different. The Old Testament covers a period of about 4,000 years. Okay? Um, the Old Testament is a picture of God working in generation after generation and of God bringing Messiah to a lost and a hurting world. That's the Old Testament. 4,000 years, okay? give or take a few. The New Testament, however covers a period of only about 40 years. I know you've heard me say this before if you've been in the church, but you know this is not something that is taught 
worldwide. This is something that I teach. You've heard it because you've heard it here, and you're hearing it perhaps for the first time. The reality, once we realize that the New Testament is really only a picture of about 40 years, about A.D. 27, give or take, when Jesus calls his first disciple, until about A.D. 67, whenever the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter are off the scene, and you know, uh, uh, for, for all practical purposes, the New Testament has already been written and put in place, and the next generation is taking their seat at the helm of the church. You know, the New Testament is basically a testimonial of what one home group did. Now, this is all we have as an example. It's what God has given us. It is the Word of Almighty God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, penned by men, as, as the Holy Spirit gave an account of following the testimony of one home group in Jerusalem. And that's all that we have as a New Testament. The inspired Word of God, however, it is a picture of only about 40 years, one generation. You know, in this 40 years, these uh, proverbial 12 boys, let's say minus Judas and, and plus Paul, uh, for, you know, uh, would be my argument. But, uh, but let's say that, that these, these, these 12 young boys, in only 40 years, they took the gospel and they planted churches in, in uh, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and Philippi and Thyatira and Pergamos and Laodicea. They planted churches in, in, in the regions of Galatia and Colossae. They planted churches at Corinth and, and they took the gospel to Rome. You know, uh, in, basically, these 12 boys took the gospel of Jesus Christ and planted churches throughout their whole known world. And as I've said before, not one of them even owned a bicycle. You know, they were responsible. They accepted their assignment. They shouldered the load and the burden of the plan of God, and then they just struck out and did what they were responsible to do. You know, uh, one of the greatest challenges today uh, faced by the church in every generation is basically to stay on point. But that's what these boys did. They stayed on point. They felt personally responsible to do the will of God and to avoid being distracted or detoured. They felt responsible. Uh, they were what we might call a, a missions-minded, you know, missions-minded believers working in a missions-minded church. They were very cognizant of the mission that God had given them to reach Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, you know, and the whole world in their generation because they realized that sinners were being born every day and they had but one life in which to tell others, but everyone else had only one life in which to hear. And as I said, one of the greatest challenges faced by every generation is to stay on point. You know, the devil would love to distract us and detour us and, and, and derail us and thereby make us ineffective. Uh, the devil cares less. Now listen to me closely. The devil cares less about who is running the government of any nation and their platform than he cares about who is running the church and its platform because the church is the only threat. Governments he can give to whomever he will. The church must stay on point, committed to its mission because we are the only threat the devil faces. The church, not governments of this world, is the hope of God. And God wants us to accomplish his plan. It is our mission. You see, the work of the church cannot be accomplished um, however, unless individual born-again believers, just like you and just like me, unless we take a personal interest in and shoulder a personal responsibility for the mission that God has given the church. Communities and countries 
were reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ by the first generation church 2,000 years ago. But those same communities and those same countries need to be re-reached every generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ because sinners are being born every day. That's why it's so important to plant churches and build churches and not just to evangelize. It is important to evangelize, but you see, it's very important that we must plant churches because every generation has to be re-reached in that generation. We will never reach that, uh, that, that proverbial last house on the road in the world. We'll never reach the last house in the world with the gospel until we have also reached every other house with the gospel in every generation. It's necessary that we reach the world for Christ. This is why it's so necessary for us not just to evangelize countries and communities, but also ensure that we are raising up churches, church families everywhere. It is the plan of God. It's the pattern of the New Testament so that we can uh, outfit them to continue and perpetually reach those in their community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must plant churches in every community, especially in our own. I'm not certain that we have fully understood that the population of the world is increasing dramatically every year. Uh, and along with the increase of the population of the world, the increase also grows with the responsibilities of the church. It's our responsibility to establish more churches if for no other reason than population. Uh, you know, if everyone had a seat in a church today, which they do not, then next year, you know, we would have more people than we had seats. 46 million Americans have been born since, uh, since uh, you know, uh, 9-11, 2001. Can you imagine? 46 million have been born just since that time. Well, the population continues to grow. In fact, the world's oldest census is in the year 2 A.D. The world's oldest census we have, the most ancient, credible census, is from the Han Dynasty in China. In the year 2 A.D., they wanted to know how many people they had so that they could understand the strength of their forces and they could understand you know, uh, how to collect revenues and, and their military strength in each region. And so they did a very methodical and a very uh, serious census. They found that in China, in the year 2, the census reveals that China had a population of 57 million uh, and that's, that's, you know, and, and, and some change. 57 million, 57,671,400 if you want to know how many. But uh, that, isn't it amazing? 57 million, that, that was the total population of China in the year two. I would submit to you, if you had been in the church in China, responsible for 57 million people, it would have been a daunting task. But you can imagine how big the church should be today if it's going to reach more than a billion people in China today. You see, the church's responsibility grows as we go through the years. In a first century Rome, for example, in first century Alexandria, uh, you know, there were about a million people, each one in that city. Jerusalem in the first century was about 25,000 permanent residents. Uh, about 100,000 extra would come on, on, on festival days, the three main festivals each year, and, and it would grow. But permanent residence was only about 25,000 uh, 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 people. And uh, the whole world population in, in the first century ended up in the year 100 at only about 200 million people, of which China was you know, more than a quarter of that, uh, of that total population of the world. Isn't that amazing? Um, you know, it was not until the late 1800s that world population reached 1 billion people. And in the 1800s, we reached 1 billion. Then, 
you know, uh, by the time it came around 1923, we, we had reached 100, you know, uh, 100 years later, uh, a little over, we had reached 2 billion. And then only 33 years later in 1960, I believe it was, I may have gotten the 1923 wrong, in 1960, we reached 3 billion. You know, from 1960 until 2011, we went from 3 billion, November 2011, to 7 billion. Amazing, huh? Can you imagine the responsibility of the church has grown commensurately. In fact, you know, since, uh, since my generation, you know, my generation on planet Earth, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, it has, we have more than doubled population of the world, and therefore the responsibility of the church has more than doubled. We, ha we have greater responsibility to reach. We have the same mission, to reach every soul for Christ. It's just that, that our responsibilities continue to grow. That's why we must continue to grow. We must continue to go, and we must plant churches everywhere. I mean, uh, want to know why we're a church planting? I mean, why not? Do you know that, that, that within one generation, my generation, the mission of the church has increased by more than 250%? Can you imagine? Wow. Well, chances are we will see our church's responsibility triple in my lifetime. Just the responsibilities of our church. Isn't that amazing? God has a mission. His mission is to reach the world for Jesus. His mission is to save souls, to reach, teach, and keep. And he does not want one soul to perish. And our responsibilities are increasing dr dramatically each year. Well, this brings us to our important points. And by the way, you know, God is just simply trying to keep up, and you are his vehicle of choice, okay? Our important points for tonight, number one, the mission of the church never changes. It's important we realize that the mission of the church does not change. We have the same mission, same goal, same purpose that God had for us whenever Jesus first said to the disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. The mission of the church never changes. Our second important point is, as the world grows, so do our responsibilities. You know, uh, we have to keep up. God does not want to fall behind. We have to plant more churches next year than we did this year. We have to reach farther and, and greater and with more effort and energy than we did this year. And we have to raise up more people to reach with us. That's what it takes for us to keep up. And God is not willing that one soul should perish perish. Which one of your family members would you just say, okay, well, they're not worth reaching. You know, God feels the same about his. Important point number three, God is counting on us to stay on point and to accomplish his plan. God still believes we can do it. And God is counting on us. We, in fact, are his vehicle of choice. And point number four, our, our last important point for not ask a question. What is God's plan for the church? Number one is to reach the lost. Number two, to teach the saints. And number three, to care for the church in the earth. You're God's vehicle of choice, and you have a mission. Be responsible.